0: Hi, I'm Keegan and I'm Madigan and you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist.
1: Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. (laughs) Hi, I'm Madigan. How are you?
2: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm okay. To be honest, I've been better. I'm just kind of like sick of this weather. It's been raining in LA. Somebody told me at work that this is like the most rain we've had up until this point. It's like record-breaking amounts of rain in really? the last like couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I feel like, what was it, last
2: year or the year before? There was just like this these weeks where it was just wet constantly. And this, I feel like it's been going on for about a week off and on.
1: But I, I think it's really heavy rain. It might yeah. be the amount of rain we're getting. Because maybe. last year it rained a lot, but I feel like maybe it was – Slightly more drizzly rain, whereas like it's coming down. I had to move all my plants away from like off off the ledge because I'm worried about them getting too much water. Yeah, I don't want them to like drown. Mm -hmm. And also, like I was literally talking to my tomato plant today. I was like, "Hang in there, buddy! Like sun is coming on Sunday because he looks so sad. (laughs) It's been so cold, and like you're such a
2: good mom."
1: this is where I'm at in isolation. I've cut my own bangs and I'm talking to my plants. Like Mm -hmm. this is where I'm at, you know? Yeah.
2: I'm, you know, like I've said every time I'm surprisingly doing okay just because I have a bit of structure to my day, which I think really helps. Um, So I'm, yeah, I'm doing surprisingly well right now through all this, even with the rain. I'm just more bitter about the fact that I'm freezing cold all the time.
1: Yeah. Which is is leading to a lot
2: of baths.
1: Yeah, I'm mostly just bored. Like we've finally hit the like Los Angeles put out a thing where they were like don't even go grocery shopping for the next week because the virus is supposed to hit. It's Apex and they're like really limit the amount you're okay. outside walking around. So we've ordered all our shit online and we're not leaving the house <laughs> at all. But have you so. but is that the the
2: mass text that was going around?
1: No, it was an article. Okay, the LA because times.
2: There was like a mass text going around that I was getting in like multiple group chats that like was based in some fact, but it was like, don't even go near your family in separate. Like it just, if you've been doing what you were supposed to do all along and that is stay home and not to interact with people outside of who you've been quarantined with, you know, that's really all. You, and, and that means not going to the grocery store and things like that. But some of it just seemed like I, I would rather be sent an article than be sent like a, a big spam text message because it makes me right. think of like the MySpace days when it's like, if you don't send this to 12 of your friends, a ghost girl will be at the end of your
1: bed tonight. Oh, for sure. I'm not down for the chain messages. But no, this was an uh, LA Times article. Okay. and they, they were saying like health officials are saying in California, in Los Angeles, because Los Los Angeles has actually been doing, California in general has been doing a really good job. They have flattening to their, New York especially, but yeah.
2: they're, they're so close together in New York where we are a little bit more spread apart.
1: Yes, that's a big part of it. But also just our response was better. It was quicker, but they've been saying, they're like, we really encourage you this week because things are supposed to get bad to not uh-huh. go out at all. So we had been going out like once a week to get groceries and yeah. we've been going on like lots of walks and stuff like that. And they're like, really try not to leave your house. So I'm like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, struggling. I know it's hard. Well, you know what? This
2: helps me a lot too. The research and everything gives me something to do. And recording with you helps me feel connected to the outside world. So it is great. Um, it sounds like you might have some stuff that's a little bit more depressing than I do today. Do you want to start us off?
1: Uh, Well, sure. I was going to... Uh, Start us off with talking about Trump removing a uh, watchdog who had been placed in charge of monitoring the way that the stimulus bill was being spent. So, uh, as part of the stimulus plan, uh, part of that plan was to give cash to businesses, obviously, because a lot of businesses are really struggling, our economy is really struggling. And obviously, this might take some oversight. They need people to watch uh, how this money is being spent, how it's being distributed, because they don't want politicians, corrupt politicians, to be bailing out their own businesses or their friends' businesses or corporations that they have interests in.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: a panel of inspectors general got together and nominated an ex- Inspector General Glenn Fine, who is the acting Pentagon wa- watchdog right now. Okay. So they nominated him to lead the group charged with monitoring the coronavirus relief effort. But on Monday, Trump removed him from his post and instead named EPA Inspector General, uh, the EPA Inspector General to serve as the temporary Pentagon watchdog in addition to his other duties. So basically like this guy was put in there to monitor how this money is being spent in large part in no small part because we have a president who has used his position to benefit his businesses a lot thus far uh and so it makes sense that there needs to be some oversight there and he took it upon himself to go in and remove him and this is something that we should definitely be concerned about because this bailout money is coming from taxpayer money. So if they use this to bail out huge corporations or Trump's own businesses, it's literally stealing money out of your pocket, and you should be concerned about that. And when we've seen these kinds of like economic issues happen in the past, like with the 2008 housing market crash and things like that, there have been people in positions of power who have used this opportunity to line their own pockets because it's chaos, right? And, like, you can get away with a lot (laughs) whenever there's chaos and there's also trillions of dollars just floating around, you know? Uh Uh-huh. So this is according to a political article – Fines removal is Trump's latest incursion into the community of independent federal watchdogs, punctuated most dramatically by his late Friday outster of the intelligence community's inspector general, Michael Atkinson, whose handling of the whistleblower report ultimately led to Trump's impeachment. He has also been attacking the health and human services inspector general, Christy Grimm, Uh, following a report from her office that described widespread testing delays and supply issues at the nation's hospitals. So Uh basically any inspector general who is saying things he doesn't like, criticizing him in any way or holding him accountable, which is their job right? uh, in large part, um, that's what a watchdog is there for, is Uh to basically monitor what's happening um he just removes them or he finds ways to criticize them if possible. So Well,
2: yeah, and we know too that Trump has a history of wanting to almost like cast his friends to hire his friends as things. You know, he right. hires the people that are yes men in his life to do certain jobs even if they're not qualified.
1: Yeah, and we've said it uh, several times on this show that his administration very much runs like a mob movie. Like not mm-hmm. even, I don't even think really like the actual mafia. I think it runs the way that Trump thinks the mafia runs. He thinks uh, which he's is, like a mob
2: boss, which is yeah, pretty funny.
1: Yeah. It's very Godfather-esque the way that he is doing things. He wishes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, a lot of Democrats, of course, were very upset with this situation. And so, uh, um, Nancy Pelosi actually said the sudden removal and replacement of acting inspector general fine is part of a disturbing pattern of retaliation by the president against independent overseers, fulfilling their statutory and patriotic duties to conduct oversight on behalf of the American people. So we can almost guarantee that this money uh, that is supposed to be helping to bail out small businesses uh, and people who are living within very small or fine margins uh, is in fact going to go towards larger corporations or businesses that these politicians have a stake in. So something to just be aware of, have on your radar. (laughs)
2: My goodness. Yeah, I was just talking about those packages with my boss today because they won't be getting one. So I was kind of filling her in on – all the different things. And she was like, yeah, they're saying some people won't even get them until next year. And, you know, I'm like, as long as I'm getting my money, that's great. I think it's great that, you know, this is something that we can have that will help us out. So I don't know. I hope that we will still get, what is it, 1200 that's- yes,
1: it is. It is twelve hundred. I don't know that that money will necessarily be affected because that money is going to individuals. Okay, and I think- you're
2: talking about the small, the small business surplus package, then.
1: I well, yeah, it's all part of kind of like the same economic stimulus package, is my right. understanding. But I think the concern is that the allotment for business. Is going to end up favoring certain businesses over others. Right. Uh, which the businesses that need it the most are these kind of like small businesses. Right. It sounds businesses.
2: it sounds like they're going to potentially be ignoring the small businesses, like you said, and focusing on their own asses and things like that.
1: Right. I mean, they might yeah. give them something, but if there's no oversight, there's no way for us to know. Well, who's right. And if what. it's
2: and if it's subtle, or you know, I'm sure, like you said, it, which is so true. In chaos, you can get away with so much. Right. You know, yeah. Nobody's looking. Everybody's in chaos, scrambling to figure out what to do. So you can very easily slip behind someone's back and get away with something. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, just something to just keep in mind. I don't know. uh, I wish I had resources for you. I also wish I was in like a more cheery or better headspace to have figured this out. But I don't know what what kinds of resources there are for us to be able to do anything about it. But it is a good thing to just know is happening. Right. Um, I feel
2: like this isn't really something that we have control over, which I think is part of the frustrating part, but you can also just look at it as like, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen and it's unfair. And we just have to keep, Really pushing, hoping that Joe Biden now does something good. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And also, I would say the thing that you can do is spread the word about it so that it's not happening completely behind closed doors in silence. Like, make sure they know that we see them. I think that that is important because it's just like we see what you're doing. Not that it's necessarily done anything in the past for us to have made it known or very clear that like we see what you're doing. Uh-huh. Uh, Trump doesn't seem to really care too much about that. No. But uh, I do think At it's least important. it'll be known.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's important. I feel like during this time during the Trump administration is to just make everything that he does wrong known. Like it just needs to be recorded. It needs to be out there. It can't be forgotten because we can't make these same mistakes again. Like, no, we can't go through another president like this. So we have to record every dumb, stupid thing that goes on.
1: And we can't, can't, yeah, we just can't let it be forgotten because already we're seeing so many of the same mistakes that happened, what, just 12 years ago in 2008 when the housing market crashed uh, or Occupy Wall Street or all those things. There were so many shady things going on. Yeah, And I feel like we're already allowing so much of that to be repeated. So I think that that is why we need to have our eyes open to it so that maybe eventually human beings can stop being complete morons. (laughs) Right, and And that's uh, the crazy thing is that
2: 2008 really wasn't that long ago. It was only two presidents ago because that president, you know, both presidents in between did two terms. But, like, it's amazing that we can make these same mistakes again when the history of it really wasn't that long ago.
1: Right. Yeah, I graduated high school in 2008. It was not, like a long time ago at all. And so Damn, you're
2: old. I'm just kidding.
1: So keep in mind, girl, we're both old.
2: I'm teasing you. I'm <laughs> teasing you. No, I'm so young. I'm only 22. <laughs> I've never lied younger about my age before. That was a first. Oh, uh, I have. I mean, I've, I've done like 18 to look younger roles, but I've never lied about my age to be younger.
1: I think I probably have at an audition. I probably have.
2: But well, yeah, that's that's, that's like when I, like I said, like when I was in the cat, like I said, when I was in the category of like 18 to look younger and like some casting, I would just get that and they wouldn't really ask my specific age. It would be on my headshot. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm usually trying to convince people that I'm older because I have such a baby face. <laughs> like I'm mature. Listen to me.
1: Take me seriously.
2: Take me seriously. I deserve to be taken seriously. I know I'm cute, but let's move past it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was feeling a certain way when I was writing this morning about uh, Bernie Sanders ending his campaign. And so instead of just telling you all what happened, because every other candidate kind of did it the same way he did, made an announcement and he was done. So instead, I decided to write a sort of eulogy to say goodbye uh, to Bernie Sanders as our possible nominee. Would you like to hear it, Keegan? Yes. Okay. Okay. I want to say goodbye to a man that put universal health care first, who takes global warming seriously and wanted to take away student debt, to a man who cared about raising the minimum wage and wealth inequality. Here is my tribute. B is for banning assault weapons and universal background checks for gun purchases. E is for equality in marriage and marriage in the LGBTQ plus community, which he has fought for for 25 years. N is for the Nordic model of social democracy, which inspired many of his policies and beliefs. I is for the institutionalized racism, which Bernie has stood up against when most white Americans stayed quiet out of the fear of attack turned on to them. Bernie used his white privilege by becoming a chairman for the racial equality at his college in Chicago and marched on Washington. And E is for even white men can be good feminists. Bernie Sanders considers himself a feminist. He is pro-choice and promotes funding Planned Parenthood. Goodbye for a second time, Bernie. The world will never know what you could have done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was beautiful, first of all, Megan. (laughs) And
2: P.S. Vote for Biden.
1: (laughs) Yes. I mean, um, that is where we are. So clearly, obviously, everybody knows this already. But Bernie did end his uh, campaign on Wednesday. And... I do think it's important to talk about just a little bit because I feel like it has to be kind of put within the scope of the larger world issues that we're having right now. Yeah. Because in large part, he kind of chalked up the part of the reason why he's ending his campaign right now to the coronavirus epidemic. And he said in his announcement on Wednesday – I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of us all in this difficult hour. While this campaign is coming to an end, our movement is not. So I believe that he saw this whole thing as kind of a distraction and also like the writing was on the wall. It was pretty clear after South Carolina what – the democratic party was going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, And then of course, Biden was picking up steam with super Tuesday uh, and all of that. So it was pretty clear. It's been pretty clear for a while that Biden was going to get the nomination. And I don't think Bernie one wanted to be taking attention away from this pandemic. And two. So recently there was the primary in Wisconsin and the Supreme court voted Via web conference, by the way, those old Uh ass motherfuckers didn't get together and in face to face and risk their health. But they voted via web conference to allow people to go out and vote in person. Oh, yes. Yes. I saw that. And the lines were insane. Right. And there was no way to keep social distance. Everybody was using the same voting machines. It was incredibly dangerous. And so it very much feels like this kind of voter suppression thing is happening where it's like, you guys won't get together face to face because you realize the health risks. But you are basically saying to the voters in Wisconsin, if you want to stay in democracy, you have to risk your life. To yeah. do it, yeah, and um, I think with that happening and realizing that in order for people to get out and vote, it would mean <laughs> it would mean people risking their health. Mm-hmm. Bernie was just like, "I'm going to call it," and which is, is so said- sad
2: because his whole campaign was so based in universal health care. That's such a thing. And that's the thing that we needed the most right now. And it's such a shame that he, you know, that that would be a distraction that this campaign is a distraction right now. I wish that this timing was better. Honestly, I do because I feel like, especially right now, and that's why I was so upset because I feel like, especially right now, when We are feeling scared and hopeless and sad. We are isolated from our loved ones and our families and our lives. We may possibly have money being taken away from us if we are small business owners. There are so many bad things that are going on. And the biggest thing is our health and these numbers of deaths are going up and hopefully going down very soon. But the thing is, is that losing him as a possibility to me was like giving up hope for the next 4 years. Now, with that being said, I think that Biden will do a hell of a better job handling this pandemic than Donald Trump ever would. I think he would at least have the mind to want to do something about it. Do you think that too?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that uh Anyone could do a better job than Trump has been doing. Yeah, uh, you know, in general, like I, I think that and we've talked about this before. Biden will listen to the people around him. I think he's right. very aware of his limitations, which I think is something that Donald Trump clearly is not, uh, no. being a full-on like narcissist, narcissist. maniac. Yeah, but I feel like Biden, on the other hand will listen to the experts around him. And so I do think in that respect, he will do a better job. Now, the last debate I saw with him and Bernie a few weeks ago when they were just debating on their own, um, you know, and it was like very weird and dystopian because it was like the two of them. Yeah, super separate. Yeah, and on the other side of the room, like three CNN correspondents or whatever. Yeah. uh, It was a little disheartening because – Bernie kept trying to bring it around to like universal health care. Like, yeah, this is a perfect example about why we need this. And yeah. it did feel as though Biden kept pivoting away from it, yeah. uh, which is a little concerning. However, so in this New York times article, it said that aides for Bernie have said that lately, uh, since he's been taking the idea of leaving the race more seriously. So in the last like week or two, uh, When he kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, I'm going to leave my campaign, he didn't want to leave his campaign without working with the Biden campaign to ensure that they could come to some level of common ground In terms of climate change and healthcare policies. So, this is a quote from that article. It says The two camps were still negotiating the details on Wednesday. And while Mr. Biden is not expected to embrace Mr. Sanders' full throated call for Medicare for all, for example, they are striving to arrive at positions with which they are both comfortable. So, that is a little bit heartening. And then also, very much is. Yeah. After after Bernie spoke on Wednesday saying that he was leaving the race, mm-hmm. Biden issued a statement thanking Bernie and acknowledging um, Bernie's loyal base because I think that that's something that we're very – concerned about. uh, Yeah. I think that was
2: smart for him because that was the issue last year or last year, last election with the burn your bus and everything, like saying, Hey, look, I see you guys and I understand why you like this guy. I think that's a smart move on his point.
1: Right. Yeah. So he did say, um, I'll be reaching out to you, to Bernie, saying -hmm. I'll be reaching out to you and you'll be heard by me. So they're going to be working on coming to some kind of agreement. Uh and He said, and to your supporters, I make the same commitment. I see you, I hear you, and I understand the urgency of what it is we have to get done in this country. So he's at least making – I like that. He's at least giving lip service to making the effort. Right. uh, Which I'll take it at this moment. And I will say this. I know it sucks, (laughs) and it feels once again like we've been betrayed by the Democratic Party, that young people, uh, progressives, have been betrayed by the Democratic Party, but we have to go vote for Biden. We do. We have to do it. We need to rally behind Biden, and then once we get Trump out of office, then we can talk about dismantling this toxic two-party system. Exactly. (laughs) No, I can't do it yet. I think that's t- that's totally true. And
2: that was the thing that made me very worried is the entire Bernie or bust thing that happened the last election. I was worried that people were not <clears throat> were not going to come out and show their support for Biden. But I'm really hoping that people learn from last time where when you just don't vote or vote third party or write something stupid, you get stuck with a dumbass. So
1: don't do yeah. it. Yeah, it's true. Don't, don't mess is- with our democracy, people. I found this bit of the New York Times article to be kind of funny in like the most depressing way Mm -hmm. they were talking about how – what a strange turn of events this is when less than two months ago, Bernie was the clear front runner. Yep. What a a year the last two months have been, eh? Oh, my God. Well, Biden was like –
2: Bombing. We didn't think Biden. We thought he was like going to be long gone.
1: I know, but can, like, think about everything that's happened in the last two months. Does that feel like two months ago? Like, like no. that feels like last year. Like Christmas it feels like seems s- like five evers ago. Yes, it seems so <laughs> long ago. It's so weird the way that time is moving now. When uh-huh. I read that, I was like, two months. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but what I what I'll say though, uh, in closing is just that. Bernie, we're disappointed, of course, that he's not the nominee. But I still think that what he has done as far as pulling the Democratic Party further left Mm -hmm. and opening people's eyes to these very progressive policies and how they will work and benefit the American people, especially in times like this, Mm -hmm. uh, even if that's all we get out of Bernie, (laughs) Bernie, Well, and that um, was my
2: and that was my point, too, by listing all of the amazing things he's done in his lifetime, because I think that he would have been such a rare gem as a president to have somebody who has this long history of doing such amazing things. And I feel like just because he didn't get to become president, he still needs to be honored for the amazing things that he's done that changed our country for the better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll pour one out for you, Byrne. Yep. No, I'm not. I'm not wasting alcohol. I'm We're not in a pandemic. Drink- I'm not even drinking today. I gave my, I was like, you have to put limits on yourself at some point. I yeah. Like-
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been, I haven't been drinking heavily. I've just been drinking, I've been drinking casually. I'll have a couple beers at night or a couple glasses of wine.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I've probably gotten drunk like twice. Yeah. During this whole pandemic. So I am, I was drinking every day, but I was not drinking like a ton. But I was like, hey, maybe, maybe take one day off. Yeah, <laughs> for the I weekend <laughs> i think that's
2: great yeah so i have one other thing that i wanted to talk about do you have anything else that's it okay and then we do have one bit of listener mail that i want to read as well so really quick i wanted to tell you guys this story um about a this was the article so i got this from buzzfeed news and this was the article headline a mayor cracked down on parties during coronavirus lockdown his wife defied him
1: I saw that. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. This is the funniest
2: (laughs) shit I've ever heard in my life. But also, I want to get your thoughts on a few things because I have feelings about this. Okay. All right. So, Allison, Illinois, Mayor Brant Walker is taking the stay-at-home order very seriously. He's even worked with the police who have been instructed to arrest anyone in violation of the order. So, The night after he made this big announcement, told everybody you have to stay home. I've been working with the police, yada, yada, yada. The night after, the cops shut down this gathering at like a local tavern. And among the bar patrons, whatever you want to call it, was none other than Mayor Walker's wife, Shannon Walker. So, (laughs) the mayor calls the police chief and says to treat her like any other citizen violating the order and ensure that she gets no special treatment. He said his wife will face the consequences of her quote, ill-advised decision. He also goes on to say, my wife is an adult capable of making her own decisions. And in this instance, she exhibited a stunning lack of judgment. I'm embarrassed by this incident and apologize to the citizens of Elton for any embarrassment. This incident may cause our city officers issued, Officers issued a criminal complaint for reckless conduct against every person found gathering at the bar. Each each person, each person will have to go to court and may receive a class A misdemeanor, which is punishable by 364 days in jail and or a fine of $2,500. So I didn't write all of the quotes down, but when I first read this article, I was one laughing my ass off. I thought it was hilarious. And his own wife was like, I'm going to go to the bar of my girlfriends tonight and it's fine. Why the fuck is this bar open? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. So anyways, like there's that, but then in the quotes when he's saying like, she's an embarrassment and like, there's certain, and I think there was other quotes in that article that it just seemed like some of the stuff he said should have maybe been said in private and he maybe should have had better face to the public. Like it just seemed like, I don't know. I mean, embarrassing, like trying to shame his wife.
1: Well, I mean, okay, maybe I'm just in kind of like a snippy mood, which I definitely am at the moment, but I kind of don't blame him because I'm getting pissed off at people fucking doing this shit. Like, I think that these people should be shamed. I'm like, if you guys are fucking gathering, when you know you you cannot be gathering and you're really putting other people at risk and like if that was my wife and I was the mayor and I'm forcing everybody to behave by these rules you can't come across like you're giving special treatment at all no, so I, I would don't be think like that's embarrassing t- and it it is embarrassing for him,
2: <laughs> like, I, but
1: I think, but I think that
2: he could have phrased it differently because I get you have to say you're embarrassed. You have to say that you had her treated like everybody else because again, you that's just what you have to do. That's how you if you truly feel strongly about the stay at home order, you would have her treated that way. So I have nothing against that. It's just that like he could have said, you know. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I love my wife. She made a really horrible decision. It's something that we are talking through at home together. He didn't have to, it felt like he was airing their dirty laundry. And I was like, this is hilarious, but also, sir.
1: Yeah. I hear what you're saying. And like, I think there's probably more to their situation. Like there's probably more to this story than that. And she was probably like,
2: can you imagine her just being like super spiteful and being like, I'm so sick of being home with what was his name? I'm so sick of being home with Brant. I'm gonna go to the bar with my girlfriends and get out of this house because he's driving me crazy.
1: Look, man. And then she got arrested. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I, how I, I picture it happening. I, I don't know. I can see I can see why he would be as petty as he's being just yeah. because, like, it would be fucking frustrating. It's like you're the mayor of a city during a pandemic.
2: Yeah, and I have you can't secondhand even, embarrassment
1: everywhere. Yeah, you can't even keep your, like, family members at home. You know what I mean? Like, and also I'm so fucking sick of everybody's shit with, like, everybody leaving the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm so, like, sick of it that I'm kind of like, yeah, shame them all. I don't give a fuck. Like, honestly. We've heard from Keegan, everybody. We've heard yeah, Keegan's I, point of view. I'm just kidding. No, look, I'm trying to get married in August. And if y'all motherfuckers don't stay home, I am yeah. not going to be able to get married in August. You're my so only wedding.
2: It. You're my only wedding left. I had four.
1: And I don't know if if it's even going to happen. I'm I'm knocking all the wood, Keegan. Everywhere I see
2: wood, I'm knocking.
1: Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So uh, while I don't love... Yeah. while I don't love, um, his choice of wording necessarily. I think that strong words and actions are important in a time like this. <laughs> yes, they are. Keegan for president
2: 2020. Thanks so All right. much. <laughs> so lastly, I am going to read a quick message from a listener who sent us something via Instagram. Her Instagram handle is AutumnGK, I believe. They say, hey, guys, thanks so much for continuing the podcast during this crazy time. Quarantine has been really difficult. I live in New York in one of the counties near the city with a quickly rising number of COVID cases, and it's been about three weeks now since the governor ordered colleges to function online. I'm a theater major at SUNY School, and this semester we were supposed to be doing a production of my favorite play. It was the show that made me fall in love with theater when I was 12, and I was lucky enough to be playing my dream role. It's really hard not to get stuck in a cycle of what I can only describe as grief. We've been working on the show since January. I'm trying to stay positive as I can, though. I turn 21 next month. I still have classwork to do. On Wednesday nights, the improv group I'm part of meets over Zoom. There's still little things that keep me going. I also wanted to say thank you because your podcast is such a source of light, especially in times like this. Thank you for the hard work you guys do. Listening is a nice little escape, even when it's the news. I hope you're staying safe and healthy, sending you positive energy. I really, really love this person. <laughs> um, yeah, We can both relate to this person. And when I responded to her, I was like, oh my gosh, Keegan and I are both theater kids. And I told her, you know, when I, before I went to treatment the first time, I got I was doing a scene from my favorite play called pillow man and we had changed the two guy main characters. We changed one of them to a woman so I could play the role and I was so excited and I'd worked so hard on it and I would never gotten to perform it and it sucks, but I hope that you guys will find an opportunity to still put this show up or for you to just continue looking for opportunities to play that role because there will be other opportunities.
1: Yeah, I wish you would have told us uh what what play and role it was. I
2: know I want to know. So if you're yeah. listening to this, we want to know what play it is and what role you want to do.
1: Yeah. And I also just want to point out that like it's okay to experience Grief right now. Like you can acknowledge fully all the ways in which you are blessed and be grateful for the things that you have. I am grateful that I have a job that's paying me money. I'm grateful that I have a Semi warm apartment, <laughs> yeah, uh, roof over my head while this rain is coming down. A safe place to be with hot food and my cats and my fiance, and I'm so lucky in all those ways. But you can still grieve mm-hmm. the things that you won't get to do. Uh, you can grieve your freedom. You know, I I had a little bit of a breakdown yesterday because Anthony and I keep going back and forth about what to do about our wedding. Mm-hmm. You can grieve all of the opportunities for this year or what this year was supposed to represent or be for you. Yeah, um, it's okay to feel sad. It's, it's not a competition of who has it worse. Definitely, it's not. obvious that that this is hitting some people harder than others, but it's still affecting our daily lives and it's unprecedented. And you can feel, you should feel those things.
2: Yeah, I think that it's it's healthy for all of us to actually acknowledge the things that we're giving up and work through them rather than just pretend that everything's fine and go on with our daily lives. Like if there is an event that we're missing or a person we're missing or a, a play that we don't get to be a part of anything, it's important to acknowledge that and to feel those feelings in a healthy manner Going through this time and experience that grief, I know that it. Like whenever I say grief with things like that, I feel funny um, because I'm like, nobody died. But that idea that you had and that excitement isn't there anymore, and you do get to grieve that.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, it is a death in a sense, right? It's yeah. not a death of a person, but it's a death of an experience. It's a death mm-hmm. of an opportunity, you know. And those things matter. Uh, I'm grieving for all of the seniors in high school right now who won't get to finish their year, who don't get to go to prom, who don't get to have these kind of mile marker, benchmarker life experiences mm-hmm. um, that I'm sure they were looking forward to. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of that. My brother is in theater school; he was supposed to have his major. Um, Showcase theater showcase, which Madigan, you and I know how important that is. Oh yeah. And how much work goes into those. And he probably won't get to do that now. And it's, yeah. there's, there's a it's, lot it's a, hard. of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Exactly. It's really hard. And so thank you so much for writing to us and voicing that. And please write us back and let us know what play that was and what part that was. We're so interested. Yeah. We um, have to know. I, yes, thank you so much. We actually just got
2: another message that I just sent to you, Keegan, while we were recording, and we've gotten so many messages from everybody, just reaching out to us, and either it's you know just to say thank you, or to say a way that they've been coping during this time, or to compliment an episode. I just feel like our listeners have been a little bit more active than usual because everybody's at home and we've been getting so many great responses from you guys and very specific great responses. So keep it up. It's really beneficial to us. We love connecting with you. So if you want to do what everybody else is doing and chatting with us, go ahead and uh, email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can direct message us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist on Instagram. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp podcast, y-
1: Y-A-N-F. Y-A-N-F
2: podcast. Uh, let's see. We also have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and you can chat with your fellow listeners in the group page. That might also be a great place for everybody to go right now and get some support. Uh, and if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen. It helps us out a little bit. And I can't forget about rate and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We got another review this week. We've got another one backlogged to go up next week. We really appreciate you guys sending those in. Keep it up. Thank you very much. All right. With, awesome. all, that being, <laughs> with all that being said, we encourage you to rate on. Bye.